Sarah. Kevin. How's it going? It's going. This is like a really crazy week. Everyone wants to wrap stuff up this week. But I was like, where have you been? I've been pinging you for months. What does that mean? Who Who is reaching out? Customers wanting to get deals closed, like that that we've been trying to sell that are now like ready That's to go great. this week. Um, it just like everyone wants something this week from us. And it's like, why, why couldn't we spread out this work a little bit more? <laughs> Yeah, I think that's that's kind of unusual because we're so we're recording this. It's December the nineteenth. Um, so from from my side, it's actually so we're um uh, we we power e commerce companies. So we're just like operationally, we're like super swamped. But like new customers wanting to come in, nope, because they're just trying to like get stuff out before Christmas. Right. And then like if you're talking to VCs, it's like now they basically they're off for two to three weeks. Um, and so it's, it's kind of unusual. You have a lot of customers wanting to well, actually come in before the end of the year. The VC thing is weird too. I don't know if it's the stock market being up or like the rumors about, well, not rumors, but like that their interest rates are going to be lower. I, I am hearing from VCs like in ways I hadn't before, even with interest in like adding more money into the company. And I'm like, what? Where did this come from? Yeah, do you, yeah, it's um I think that I, I think that it's it's basically interest rates. I think like that last week the Fed signal basically like hopefully like three rate reductions next year, um, hopefully up to maybe a, a percent um off, which is just like everybody wants to get it in, in at the bottom, right? So you would think that right. now it would be the bottom. I think that probably now now would not be the bottom like the bottom was probably six months ago right everybody thinks it's the bottom but it was actually a long time ago go like that would have been when you could have got the best prices and got in and, and people were actually looking for money and so maybe i think probably people are trying to get ahead of like q1 q2 um but yeah that that totally makes sense i think I, i'm seeing the same thing from the vc side of things that people are much more active than they have been over the last like year or something like that so all good things for startups and and everybody. Hopefully, this turn, turns around like the entire startup kind of tech tech ecosystem. Yeah, I mean, this was like the so I, you know I'm Jewish, so I don't celebrate Christmas. So I usually you know work that week when yeah. everyone else is taking off and you know fill in for everyone. But this this was like the one time I had planned something over the week of Christmas because. Right. For eight years, nothing's like, been happening right. that week, and I'm like, right. I might as well just go on vacation. <laughs> Uh, but of course, this year, for some reason, it just seems like there's so much activity that yeah. needs to get done by the end of the year. Like, I don't That's see crazy. how vacation next week is actually going to happen. I'm going to be working. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, what we wanted to do for this episode was kind of like a, a year end wrap up. I'm not sure if we'll have another episode before the end of the year. So um, do you, um, why don't we kind of like this, this year has, has to me felt like one of the longest years in my career. <laughs> Uh, and just like thinking back, I, I kind of jotted down some notes. Um, I don't know. Do you do you have something similar? Do you want to go through like some big topics to kind of just remind people what 2023 was all about from like the founders and the the tech side of things? Yeah, I mean, it's been kind of a wild year. And, and I also think, you know, for me, I've been reflecting back on you know what I've learned this year that I want to take with me to 2024. That's great. That's great. 
Well, um, well, I, I, I got a list of kind of like big things that I think have happened that people should be paying attention to. Um, and they all have happened this year. Um, I think that it was just kind of crazy. So one, uh, the, the banking system almost collapped. Um, so that was still this that year. Was this year. <laughs> yeah. So SVB went under, they got bought out. Um, that had a huge impact. Um, well, at least very, for a very short, short amount of time, but like the entire regional banking network almost went under. Um, so that was like a really big thing. Yep. Um, and, and also for startups, like anything over $250,000 was not insured. So there was a big potential risk of a lot of startups losing a lot of money. Um, so that was like a big thing. I also had, it had in here, I think it was still like, maybe this was like at the trail into 2022, but like, it seems like right now, like the, the hype cycle is definitely AI. Like everything's AI based and like all VCs want to invest in AI and like everybody's building, like San Francisco is like hotter than ever because like everybody's in person building AI companies. But like, it wasn't that long ago that like crypto was like the hype cycle. Like, I think it was still like at the trail end of 2022. And so like, yeah. what one of my things was like, these hype cycles are getting tighter and tighter. Like they're just like, because things right. are moving so qu quickly, like crypto was the biggest thing and everybody was invested. And, and this year it kind of unraveled, right? FTX was down. Binance is, is going, uh, they, they, they are basically going under ish. Um, like I think Coinbase is probably one of the only big winners out of this. Like what's going to happen next year. And I also, I think another big thing, like 2023, we, we really, I think startups, and even larger companies really felt the impact of the higher interest rates. Like nobody was hiring uh, like uh, uh, across any companies, still major layoffs. The big tech companies laying off tens of thousands of companies, but then also the stark stock market was ripping because all of these companies were getting to more cash flow, uh, getting more free cash flow, which was great. Um, and stock market was really favoring profitability and all of these companies are like in nature, like high gross margin businesses and, and pretty decent growth. So they cut a lot of people and they, they look a lot more attractive. And so it's still, that still hasn't changed. So like, those are kind of the things that I kind of jotted down. Um, what do you think as far as like, um, cities remote work obviously still seems to be like the trend that people are following. However, I think that, that it's coming more towards especially smaller teams i see that are building more in person um i don't know what do you think has happened kind of over the last year yeah i mean i think this was the year of profitability for a yeah. lot of startups and and really thinking about their companies that way um and i hope you know even as we enter a lower interest rate environment and money starts flowing again like i plan to take that with me into 2024 that that mindset like the kind of let's burn as little as possible. Let's, you know, actually get profitable. Let's have infinite runway. Um, so I would I would say that's still like a really important mindset to bring into even a better uh, landscape of 2024. Yeah. Um, I also think like the uh, the thing about like this, the hype cycles being shorter is really important to keep in mind like it's so important not to chase these hype cycles but oh, to have a real thesis about something and then realize yeah. that it's going to go up and down i mean even looking at crypto like 
it's kind of back now. <laughs> like, you know, you yeah. look at how Bitcoin and Ethereum are doing, like they're they're up again at the end of the year. And uh, it may, you know, people that were like, look, this is just the crypto winter and we have to stick with it. Like those companies may now see a new day in 2024 if they're able to to stick with it. So I don't think crypto is by any means over. Um, and so the hype think, cycle for crypto definitely is right. Right. But like remembering that these things have good and bad times and as yeah. a founder, you have to you know, stick with your thesis um, and realize it's not always going to be in favor uh, in the kind of broader market landscape. And that's okay. That's kind of normal. Yeah, I think that that that's really important. Like, I think that so I would say that um, and even going through and doing this podcast, I'm really glad that 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 we did it. And and also really glad that you're you're such a big um, a part of it as well. I've had a lot of great we've had a lot of great episodes together. But also just like bringing more like people on, um, yeah. like I'm active on Twitter. You're super active on Twitter. Like I'd say that overwhelmingly, like VCs are more active than anybody on Twitter. And like, <laughs> what else do they have to do? Exactly. Exactly. That's a great point. Like all, a lot of the people that we brought on, like some of our best guests, like they're not they're not active. They're not giving out the, right. these like this like insider view from our founders' perspective. So like going back to your hype cycle comment, like I just saw like. Uh, Jason Calcanis just tweeted something that's like, if like, uh, basically like everybody should be building AI right now. And it's like, if you uh, just like get your two smartest friends and like, I, I'll give oh, yeah. you money or and something get, like that. And, and by the way, tell me so I can get in on the deal. Like yeah, but, just but also, to build like, deal flow. Th that's, that is the worst advice for a founder. Like you should not be chasing anything. What you should be doing is you should have like be in an industry, you know, something else. Like once you're in the hype cycles already started, like you're too late. Right. Also with, from VCs as well. Like even looking at Jason's like portfolio of companies, like his big two wins were what Robin hood and Uber. Both of those were like, not during the, the like Uber was not in the hype cycle. Right. Robin hood was not in the hype cycle. Right. Like of FinTech companies were not hot. Like he's even like not even taking probably if he would have looked back at like his biggest winners, he's not taking his own advice. Like, Get starting a company when it's this the whole industry is just getting so much money poured in to your competitors, by the way, is just right. a silly thing to do. And so, like, that's why I am sticking like I'm going to be in probably in like logistics tech for the next like 20 years. Like I I think that I have like and hopefully that's through Airhouse and um, uh, like I think you just gain so much insights by just focusing on like one area so if that is ai yeah. when like hopefully you've been in it for like five years like AI, ai has been around like ai has been around for forever um so like hopefully and hopefully you gain some insight and so you're you have a step up on, on the competition because vcs they're they have a pool of companies and that's why like you'll hear all of like there's this this hype around all of this and everybody's raising rounds and like yeah the vcs have their their best interest is going to get the smartest people to build something and, and try to get into your deal or whatever. But like you as a founder need to take the other perspective as like, what advantage do you have? And also you have so much competition out there. There's all, all and VCs are power law businesses. So like, um, it's going to be the top like 5% of companies that even like return probably anything decent. So like, just go somewhere deep where like nobody is really looking at and be like an expert in it 
and that's kind of like the way that I've uh, kind of structured my, and I think about my career. Um, I don't know if that's similar to you as well. Yeah. I mean, I think like the, as a, you know, you're a second time founder and like you, you found this area that you now have unique insight. Like that's a real differentiator. Like someone else can't come and learn everything you've learned yeah. from having done this and really focus on this industry. Whereas if you start a company in a completely different area, if you go from like, you know, enterprise to consumer, like you may, you may not see some of those second time founder gains that right. make second time founders so much more effective. Right. Um, you, you have some learnings, but like it's, it's harder. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and it's it, 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 you don't need to necessarily be a founder. Like there, there's a lot of other uh -oh. like you could be. You might have lost Kevin. Oh, can you hear me? I can hear you. I can hear you, but you're frozen. Okay, oh, that's there fine. we go. Yeah, now Where I can see you. They'll clean it up. Um, like you don't need to be a founder. You could work for a startup, and like you could all all of a sudden like what's a great example? Um. Uh, so my wife used to work for Cruise, a self-driving car company. And I th think there was early employees, a bunch of them. So Cruise's whole thing was like, they're based on like machine learning. And like, that's how they actually like can detect like what's a stop sign, what's a person and all that. They just need a ton of data. And I th I'm pretty sure that some of the largest mach machine learning infrastructure companies, they either came out of that or cruise that would just be an example it'd be like you're at a company that like you're working for somebody and it's like oh you could you, you're now an expert at this thing it's like oh there's other companies that need this that that's a great way to actually find insights without you having to go and like found a company and then also hopefully that you can learn something from the founders there as well if you are a first-time founder but just like going and like like we, we try to share our mistakes. Like I fell into the trap. Like I just blindly followed Uber for my last company. I, like I didn't know really anything about the shipping industry at all. And I was just like, there should be an Uber for shipping. And like, that's what I built. And it turned out to be like, that didn't actually make a lot of sense. Um, like from a venture perspective. And like, that was like my like hard way of learning, but there's a lot of other ways to learn, but it's like, don't fucking chase the the stuff that everybody else is doing. You have to have some, if you want to be successful in some way, or you could build something smaller that you don't need to go and raise a ton of money on and all of those different things. Um, and you can take the profitable um, angle as well. But yeah, I, I really hate, I'm, I'm like, I, I, I probably, if you, if you um, took all of the, the uh, our podcasts and like, uh, the how I say is hype cycle yeah. and like how I just fucking hate it so much. It's like it's just a trap for founders. It really, yeah. really is. I think the other thing that like you you touched on this, but that is a real trap for founders that has kind of been debunked in 2023 is like the thing that your success is measured by how many people you employ, and yeah. that to grow the business you need to grow the number of people you employ. And I think that's also yep. like a very VC driven way of thinking like if we invest this amount of money what kind of headcount will you add with that how fast can you add that headcount and then what does that headcount grow in terms of your revenue um, and I think 2023 we kind of like debunked that like with all these layoffs I mean it's terrible like I'm so sorry for anyone who lost their job like that's never fun um, and uh, 
terrible position to be in, but uh, I think it it was overall very good for the industry to realize yes. that growth doesn't need to just come from headcount. I think AI has helped us with that realization. Um, and that sometimes even having less people can move you faster. I also think we really destigmatized layoffs. Um, and like, I remember uh, when we had to do a riff uh, in the beginning of COVID and there was this whole thing around like, what if the press finds out, like that would be the end of the world. They right. found out we laid yeah. off six people. They would they would write that Winnie is done. Um, and, now, and they used like, to do that. They used to yeah, do that. Like yeah. <laughs> you, you, oh, they laid off 10% of their workforce. Therefore they are going under. Whereas now, like, it's almost a badge of honor. Like, we had Ryan uh, from Electric on the pod, and he yeah. kind of talked about... I was just going to mention him, yeah. You know, the layoff, and, you know, it's terrible for the, the humans involved and the human element, but it can be really, really positive for the business and can actually represent that you've made sort of a step function improvement in the business, that you've actually worked people out of jobs because you figure right. out, you know, in his case, like a channel approach to selling or something like that. So... I am optimistic that we will not treat uh, layoffs as so catastrophic and we'll actually yeah. think about, you know, in the first place, do we need to bring on all these millions of heads to then lay them off? Or can we actually be a little bit more thoughtful about how we grow and realize that it doesn't have to be through headcount? Yeah, no, when, when he when we had him on from Electric, yeah, when when he mentioned that he, they actually started to get more stuff done once they did that that major riff, like I think, and here, here's a question for you: like I think that right now, like we're at the start of like a, a bull run in like in the public markets, definitely, but um, private markets are going to follow. Um, I would question like, is it going to go back to the way that it used to be? And then is it just going to be us that kind of realize these things and that we, we will run our companies like, like kind of some of the other people that, that, that have run really great companies with lower headcount, um, and have been profitable, right? Like yeah. you look at some other companies, like what's a good example, like Atlassian, perfect example. Like they, I'm think pretty sure they were profitable, like from early on or like, Zapier or something like that like they didn't raise a lot of money and they were like profitable early on like some people figure this out but I wonder if like once there are because there there are going to be there, the markets are going to they all go always go in cycles and we're going to get back to the same I don't know we're, hopefully we won't get back to the 2021 craziness but like right we'll get back to the same like VCs are competing for deals right you could take a lot of money uh oh your competitor took a lot a lot of money like they just hired a ton more people and then you get a lot of first time founders that haven't been through these experiences. So like, I kind of think that it will happen again. I, I, I do wonder if like the stigma of layoffs will be as big. I think just like tech press in general has changed because there's just yeah. so many tech companies out there that like, does it matter if like, um, this one company that like nobody's heard of actually does a layoff. Like, I wonder if that's and, changed. And but... tech press, I mean, all the press now is behind a paywall. So I actually like, yeah, it's, it's been amazing to me in the last eight years. Like what a change it's been that like, you know, you used to get like a business insider article written about you and it would end your career. And now it's like, no one can read it. So it doesn't actually matter. Like I've seen still some like really pretty gnarly pieces about companies or people and like no one's read them no one cares. <laughs> it's like does it even matter anymore 
um, what was the last she... one? The car, the Carta CEO. Oh yeah, the, the Carta CEO who like yeah. you know negged himself by uh, like emailing all the customers. Like no one would have seen the article if he didn't email all his customers and but point it out. But I don't think anything happened. They normally... And nothing happened. He's still the CEO, and Carta's still doing yeah. fine. I just yeah. logged into our Carta account to approve some option exercises. So like, right. no no worries there with Carta. And I think uh, you know it, it's. It's kind of uh, a nice uh, breath of fresh air for founders because, you know, you don't have to worry about like a minor slip up or a layoff or, you know, one wrong move kind of taking down the company or your career. Right. You know, you still want to try to treat everyone with respect and not do anything or make any mistakes. But like mistakes happen and layoffs yeah. happen. Um, and like it is a little bit, you know. I have less anxiety at night knowing that even if Business Insider wrote a takedown of me, no one would see it. Right. Like, who subscribes to Business Insider? <laughs> well, now, aren't, aren't don't they have a deal with chat GPT? So maybe it could be more. <laughs> right. That's how you get it. Now, that's <laughs> what how has Sarah done? How is, how is Sarah right. done as a CEO? <laughs> I mean, no one, no one knows. Yeah, it, it 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 it's the tech press cycles. I I wonder how much that's impact the the market. So like, and that that I think's been driven by a, n a number of different things. Like I think for one, there's a lot more coverage, right? Like there's just a lot more tech companies out there. Like when I started my first company, that my like real first venture back company a decade ago, like there just weren't that many co like companies out there. Yeah, we were one of the, right. like, the the hot hot companies, and so like. We did like somebody, um, uh, they, somebody scooped like our A round deal, and like that was a big like news article. And it's like somebody was like monitoring the SEC. It's like, uh, oh, they're raising the Series A, and like, can you that, imagine that being written today? That would just wouldn't happen. And it's like now you have to like beg people to try to do that, so you could get some like awareness to maybe hire some people or something like that, like. Um, you can't even get anybody to pay attention to you because I think there's just so many like other things that are happening. And like, I also remember like, do you remember back in like the Uber and Lyft days, like all that drama going back and forth and like what that, what turn, the turn that turned into was just, or even just like ride sharing in general, like you had like DD and like all these comp competitors and everything and like the hundreds and billions of dollars that were being thrown around. And then it turned out like, they way over hired and like they actually created like not very efficient companies, even though like at the heart of it, it's a marketplace and like they should be extremely efficient. But like, right. I don't know if it was a tech press or like the, the VCs that were thrown around all this, but like it's it was kind of crazy that, that what was happening. So I, I do wonder my my hunch is like we're going to return to that state again, um, like once the, the market um, kind of turns around. I do wonder if like layoffs are going to be a big deal, like even internally, like I think like I don't think what that that they'll get written up in the in the press or, or whatever like they used to. But like internally, like I think that right now it's it's very much an employer, like more friendly um, uh, 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 in, or um, kind of cycle we're in. We're going to get back to it's going to be like everybody's going to be trying to be hiring employees and we're going to be paying a lot for them and the and and the the big companies are going to be paying astronomical amounts again and and um then it, it may be like a layoff is like a sign that 
you're not doing well. And then you'll have maybe a portion of your company that, that will potentially leave because they've kind of lost confidence mm -hmm. in like, and they just have so many different options. So I do think that a lot of the stuff that happened before will happen again, but I sure hope that it doesn't happen like it did in 2021. Yeah. I mean, I think, I, I hope that people will be more careful as they hire now um, and also be thinking about, you know, how can AI mean that I may maybe don't need to hire like 10 people to do this job, but could have but five see, people. But, okay, but take, take yourself back to like, I don't know if you want to use like Twitter, for example, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's not necessarily like the, all of the founders that are making a lot of these calls. Like, yeah, they are like the, 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 we're allocating the capital to go and do these things, but like, we hire eventually hire like seasoned execs and like that right. want to kind of build their right. like basically mini yeah. company. That's and I right. don't, I don't necessarily think that that's ever going to change. Like, I think that right now hiring's like frozen, but like the next AI companies, I think that they're all going to look at each other and be like, we're all competing for the same thing. And like, like open AI, like they, they I know they just signed this huge like office lease in, in SF, like, I bet they're going to hire a shitload of people. And like, it's, I, I think it's going to probably return to the same way that it did before. And I think even like the Facebooks and like everybody that did those massive layoffs, like I could see everybody building up like the, 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 the different, uh, um, um, VPs building up their like little mini armies again. And right. they kind of do measure their success and like how big their team is and like, that type of stuff and they can and how much they're able to move and and so i don't know what what is your thought there like you work for twitter and and like it it definitely was not as a, like it was probably way too many people not as efficient like i i guess i could definitely see us we're going to go back to that it's the same that same place yeah i mean i think you're right that employees want to hire people because it's a measure of success and so like the more people that can report to you the better so there's always going to be that pressure I'm just hoping at least from the top, from like CEOs and the board and, you know, the CFO looking at the profitability of the company, there's going to be more pushback now where it's not just a given that you need to add headcount to grow. And, you know, hopefully we start to look at that, yeah. you know, a little more critically. Um, I also, you know, I wonder about, and this was another topic I wanted to bring up with you, like yeah. the the different exit paths for founders. And I, and I do think, you know, we've had to get, like we've seen in 2023, like a little more creativity around uh, where you can go with your company. Um, right. Prior to 2023, like really all that was talked about if you were a venture-backed business was like you were going to IPO. Like it's IPO or bust. And, you know, maybe you could get some liquidity along the way via a secondary, but you're really aiming for IPO. And now I feel like we've started to have some of these other paths enter the conversation. And, you know, we've explored some of them at Winnie and trying to yeah. understand what they might look like. So things like private equity right. uh, became pretty popular as a path from like venture back company to private equity, um, you know, acquisition um, as a path. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I just saw a discussion on Twitter today about, you know, your company actually throwing off dividends or, you know, purchasing right. shares back from venture investors. This is what um, Zahil from Gumroad does, right? The what? 
you know, so Hill from Gumroad? Oh, oh, yes, yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. I I follow along with his like quarterly board meetings and things. Oh, yeah. Uh, but he was kind of like a, you know, very unique. Like, oh yes. my God, he's crazy. How could he be doing it this way? And you know, that's kind of why I got famous. Whereas now, like, I I actually think more people are considering that route uh, that he kind of paved the way for. Yep. Um, and so I I'm hoping at least like going into 2024 we have some some more of these paths available yeah uh, i think that's just better for the ecosystem when there's more options other than ipo especially now with like the ipo window basically being closed yeah um another thing just to note on news like recently well this year there's actually been quite a few like larger transactions that have um been not been allowed to go through so like yeah. figma just recent this last this last week their um, uh, acquisition from Adobe uh, was uh, deemed, what was it, by the FTC? Um, but, so actually, uh, like, I mean, there's there were three regulatory bodies, the U.S., the EU, and the U.K. That's right. And they all took, like, a really ridiculously long time. But the U.S. was actually not the blocker. It was the EU and the U.K. That's right. Um, which is kind of interesting for us. Like at Winnie, we're we're going to go international in 2024. And as we, yeah. you know, think about some obvious markets, like the UK would have been one. Um, it's so similar to the US in terms of the childcare market. But like, shoot, I don't want to expose myself to like regulatory authorities in the UK if we were to ever sell the company. I mean, that could block the whole deal right. for a market that's, you know, a tenth of the size of the United mm. States. That seems silly. Yeah. Yeah, that that it, it is kind of crazy. Yeah, the EU is definitely, or the, the UK and the EU um, have taken a very interesting stance to tech. <laughs> um, but kind of going back to your your initial question, I think that, that there definitely are a lot of different exit paths. Like I, I never really knew of like I I don't I come from a computer science uh, background. Like I I'm not a finance person, so like I didn't even know like private equity was really a thing. Like I started off my, I was like, yeah, we're, I'm going to IPO this company. Like that's right. what, like you look at all the other companies that it went public and like, that's kind of the venture path, but like you definitely have a lot of different options. I'd say that actually one that has been kind of taken off the table over the last few years is the aqua hire option. Um, that, um, companies just don't do those anymore, which and is you know interesting. What also, uh, Went off the table is the SPAC option. Remember yes, those? SPACs, <laughs> SPACs had a good were few years. the worst investments ever. Now that's done. Yeah. But it is interesting to think, like, as a founder, like, when you start a company, it's like, what do you really want to build? Like, do you, do you want, do you think that you are going to build a public company? Or maybe you don't have to make the decision, like, but they're, just knowing that there's these all these different paths, but a lot of the decisions you make early on they kind of set you up, right? Like if you want to stay independent or like if you want to get bought out by PE potentially or sell a lot of secondary for yourself and maybe the employees and maybe still run it, like you're going to have to run like more profitable than you would have with like straight VC, which is typically like looking at a larger acquisition or the IPO road, which is just growth at yeah. all costs, more or less. And it de definitely should influence how you think about hiring and scaling the team and all of those how much money to take on the table because once you take on too much like capital like some of these options are not available for you anymore yeah and just like you know for people that aren't familiar and i wasn't until i really dove into 
the PE world, because uh, like you, I, I just didn't come from that background. You know, private equity tends to buy businesses, one that are profitable. Um, the more yes. profitable, the better. Um, so that's very different than venture. Uh, and then two, you know, they're looking for businesses that they understand well, that they know how to grow, and that they're not yep. trying to grow 10x next necessarily. They may be happy with 4x or even, yep. you know, potentially less depending on the stage. Uh, but they want that to be like well understood. Like, oh, you do these things that PE knows how to do well, and you know, like finding efficiencies in the business. Yes. Um, doing less R and D, and right. we could grow it to forex in this number of years, and then we could sell it to a PE firm that you know maybe is later stage. Yeah. Um, so that's really, you know, there or like some PE firms are really just about running profitable businesses yeah. um, that are private. And so, you know, that's an interesting path to know about because if you start a venture-backed company and then you realize, like, actually our growth is maybe slower but more predictable and our costs are not ridiculous and we could be very profitable, like, PE may actually lead to a better outcome right. and be more of a natural fit for your business. So it right. was kind of, I think, 2023 taught a lot of us about the PE route. And then yeah. as, you know, Ryan said on the last uh, podcast episode, we had him on, um, you know, it's also helpful as a founder to think like a PE firm, like yeah. what would they do to find efficiencies in your business? And could you do those things kind of proactively uh, to right. get some of the gains um, and even maybe talk to a PE firm and like find out what, what kinds of things they might do for a business like yours to give you some ideas. Yeah. And his big thing was just like, um, just give yourself all of these different options, right? Like yeah. ideally, like if you have, if you have taken the venture route, um, if you, you obviously initially have, you have to, to continue raising rounds, you have to be going after growth, but then make sure you have in the back of your mind, all the different levers you could pull to make yourself to, to just like not remove different options. So if that is the acquisition, so stay close to other potential acquirers, like yeah. build a relationship with them and like continuously like partner with them, that those are the most likely uh, acquirers that you're you're going to get. You should all also like uh, be, be like understand like how your business is being run. And like, if you had to get super profitable, like know the different levers um, and be running like a high gross margin at, you add, yeah. at, at least, um, I actually have a question there. If, if a lot of these AI companies are going to be high gross margin, which kind of just like completely screws up the entire thinking of like throw as much venture capital into AI as possible. Well, anyways, that's a sidebar. But like build a high gross margin business that that can be extremely efficient, and then all of a sudden you're you when you when you when you have like I don't know ten million dollars in in um uh, in EBITDA like. Uh, you have like a really good business that like PE potentially could buy. Um, and then like, he's also talking about this as well. Like if you can get to, like, if you, if you see a path to a hundred million dollars in, in ARR at a decent growth rate, like you also have like a road to potentially IPOing. And so like, if you, if you really want to like build a really, if you think the opportunity is there to build a really big business, like keep all those options on the table and continuously be thinking about this, this type of stuff. I think that like, I never did that before. And like, 
you never know what's going to happen. Like you, everybody comes out and thinks that they're, well, not everybody, but a lot of people do when they're first starting out, they take money and they see all of their, all of the venture, all of the, the huge valuations people are getting. And then when the IPO window opens, all of the companies are IPOing and they, everybody thinks that's the only path, but that's really not the case. Um, but to, to make yourself have these options, you need to be aware, like even the acquisition side of things, like if you don't create a, a relationship with potential acquirers over multiple years, like the chances that you're like an acquisition is going to happen is very low. Like these acquisitions take a long time. Like yeah. th thinking, think like um, Figma, for example, like I'm, I'm pretty sure that, that Dylan was like pretty close to the Adobe people, like really early on. And they had a relationship over many years. It's not like all of a sudden some like big uh, incumbent comes to you and it's like, we want to buy you. That, that's like very, very rare. It's like over many years and you don't get that unless you put like the hard work in to make those relationships. Yeah, I've found like th some of the best relationships are like ones that are natural. So not like, you know, we we meet for coffee once a year. Yeah. Uh, those could be okay, um, but it, it could be better if like you can actually partner in a significant way with you know a bigger business that could potentially acquire you in a way that's like not going to be a detriment to your existing business or give away too much information but if there's like a natural way yes. to have some kind of kind of product partnership or something in place uh they can start to to see how you're growing and performing and, and how you're kind they of adding to, to you their too, business yeah the team. yeah like how you know responsive and amazing your team is and then you know, it's kind of a natural touch point because you're you're partnered on this thing. Um, so I feel like those are, you know, always good ways to keep in touch with your potential acquirers without like needing to necessarily just like chat them up all the time. Yeah. I have a question, quick question for you, Sarah. When, when you started Winnie, it was what? So like seven years, seven years ago? going to be eight years. Eight years. <laughs> um, did you, what did you think when you first started? Did you think like, we're going to, we're going to build like this massive global, um, like an, initially it was, it was basically like, um, uh, uh, Yelp for parents, right? Yeah. That you started with, yeah. <laughs> Not yeah. To, but like, what did uh. you think? Like, did you think that you're building the, like that big of a company and like, we're going to IPO or did you like, I just want to build a company and like, we'll see what kind of happens. Like what was your initial take and, and has, has it, has it changed? I think everything seemed like easier when yes. it was more abstract, like, oh yeah, of course, like we'll just build it and it'll grow and people use it and we'll make a lot of money. <laughs> um, and then you start actually doing it and you realize like, it's, it's not so simple. Um, and kind of building the business part of it is even harder like building right. a thing people use is one thing building a real business from it is really challenging right uh and i'm gonna spend actually almost none of my time on the actual product and like 99 percent of my time on sales uh, right. i mean most right. founders don't realize that they're signing up for a sales shop um Yep. You were just sell whether it's to investors or to employees. acquirers or to actual customers or to customers, employees, yeah. you're selling. You're 100% selling. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I didn't know any of this. Uh, but I think <laughs> now, you know, eight years in, I see clearly like how we would get to these different versions of ourselves. Like I right. actually 
still do see a path to IPO. I think yep. it's um, now is not the time to like start down that path. It would require an influx of capital, I think, yes, to really charge that direction. But I think it's possible. Um, I think there's also a path to, you know, just having a profitable business that can yep. grow and, you know, maybe be acquired or maybe maybe you want to pursue one of these dividend paths or investor buyout paths. Um, and right now we're really in the the vein of like keeping our options open uh, and not, you know, canceling off any of those paths. Um, but I think it it's it it is more clear to me how we would do it. Right. Um and and therefore I I know like what it would it would be hard. <laughs> Any of these right. things are gonna be hard. Um and right. I you know, I think we could get there, but it's gonna be hard. It's gonna take money, it's uh gonna take years <laughs> um, yeah. for different different depending on which we pursue. Um, so it, it's like, it's no longer like, oh, sure, we could start this thing. And in five years we could sell it. And, you know, I, I know now that that's not how it works. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's a interesting journey. Um, and um, what was the question? We went over this before, but that NVIDIA CEO was asked, um, if you, if you, if, if you could tell yourself and your co-founders, um, one one thing before you started the company, what was it? And he answered, he's like, don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, because like, you just don't know how hard it actually is. And it's just like, you continue going, like you do it because you don't like you, you think that things are going to be okay. And you kind of just like persevere through that. And I think that's like a sign of like, if you don't give up, like that, that's a really good sign of a, of a good founder. Um, but it is way harder than anybody ever thinks it is going to be. I think that's like simultaneously, I, I think all of the guests we've had on here, it's, everybody is just like, and also everybody that I talked to too, is just like, it's way harder than you think. It's not, it's not fun. It, there are a lot of fun times, but like overall, it's like extremely stressful, like even like raising money and getting down to like the the last month of like a runway or something like that like there are so many stories about like things like that that have happened and it's just you're the person that everybody is like counting on your investors your employees like yourself uh your family like all of that it's like way harder than anybody else expect than, yeah than expect i think as much in. as possible though like try to enjoy the journey i think i i flipped that I'm once i realized uh it was going to be a long road like how can i really enjoy this road and like part of it was like you know what would be really cool if i could like employ my husband like it'd yeah, be awesome cool. and it'd be really fun to work together and right. like I can do that because this is, I'm the CEO. And right, like, right. It, it has turned out to be like so much more fun the past, you know, over a year when he's been working really closely on, you know, things that I can now like feel like I can fully offload and have like or someone really running it that I trust, <laughs> trust with my life. So like, that's been cool. And then, you know, like I think about what are other things I can do and, try now that I am running this business that I wouldn't have access to. And so like yeah. I, there are there are a number of things that are like have opened up to me running this business that I right. wouldn't have, you know, the ability to do if I was just a, a person working at Google. 
even though that may be lower stress. <laughs> and so like I'm trying to enjoy yeah. and savor those things. Uh, and also like even during like the crazy times, like we were impacted by that, like SVB shut down. Yes. That was our only bank. We had no access to any other funds. I was Same. like pulling my hair out of how I was going to pay employees that Monday. Yep. Uh, I was calling up people that I was like never talked to and just asking for a loan, like right. just wow. doing all these things that were so out of my comfort zone and felt so weird. Like no one wants to be begging people for money. Um, but I did them because I had to do them. And I also put myself in the mindset, like, okay, this is actually like really exciting. Like I right. get to be involved in something that the entire world is caring about and paying attention to right now. Yeah. And I get to go on national news and yeah. be on TV and, and share the experience. And everyone is looking to me for like how you handle a crisis like this. Right. And I have the opportunity to like not crumble, but actually show that there are ways to persevere through this. And even right. though it's stressful, it can be done. And like, yeah, and we we persevered and we made it to the other side. And, right. you know, we are better off for it. And now we focus on treasury management as one of the core competencies <laughs> of a CEO. Um, but like, even in crisis moments, there's kind of this unique opportunity as a founder to, you know, kind of cherish like what makes this special that I couldn't experience in a different role um so i you know i try to because i'm going to be doing this for a long long time <laughs> try to yeah. enjoy where i'm at and you know uh appreciate that this all these great perks of being a ceo and being a right. founder um you can't get them in every job and for every company no and i think also just like the even even though that it 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 continues to, um, and we keep on bringing Ryan up because he's he's the most recent guest we have. But he had a lot of great insights. Like it doesn't it doesn't get easier, but like right. your I think your tolerance for pain just like continues to like increase, right? right. Like, like if if you probably remember the first time that you had to fire somebody, right? Like how like I don't know if that if that was at Winnie or if that was before, but like that's nerve wracking. It's like, what are they going to do? Yeah. Uh, like this is going to like, this is so bad. And like, now it's like, this person's not performing. Like we got to let them go. Like, it's like, now it's easy. Uh, but now you're, now you're, you're dealing with much larger problems. And so like, as you continue scaling, like, I think like, I definitely would not uh, choose another job. Like I, I love what I do and also just the ability to like learn like, and, and even like this year. Yeah. Like I think like, on the finance side of things, like everybody had to kind of learn more about like, like the, well, even like two years ago, like what is high, what are the higher, what, what happens when interest rates go really high? And like, what happens when your bank, like what, like you, you're, you, you don't have access to your, your money <laughs> in your bank account. And like just things that were just completely out, like out of your skill set that you just learn and then you kind of become like a, a mini expert in that and, and then it's the next thing that you need to worry about so like i love this deep like learning um and even like like both of us like getting more into sales like i love sales as well like actually like selling to customers like before i was totally like the, like either and initially i was like an engineer i love building stuff and then it was more on the product side of things and now it's like, I love that, that, the hunt for the big deal and closing that customer. And then, and then also continue to make them happy. And like all those different types of things, like I think as a founder, you just, 
are able to just if if you're willing to to learn those things, you just don't get that opportunity anywhere else. And so I agree. Uh, it's, I mean, it's the great. sales stuff, like being good at sales and being good at like customer success, is useful yep. in every aspect of my life now. Like it is amazing how much better I am at everything I do right. because I've been practicing selling to customers and keeping customers happy. And like, I have used that to deal with difficult situations, like with my kids or with like relatives or things where like, normally I would have probably just like flipped out or been like, don't talk to me or like, I don't want to <laughs> deal with this. Now I'm like, okay, I know exactly like how to handle this kind of situation. It's right. not that stressful. I can like go in with this mindset. I, it's a special period of time where I have to act like this and kind of eat shit and yes. you know, be nice. Yeah. <laughs> then it's going to be over. And if I eat shit for an hour, then I'm going to have like just a much better relationship going forward. And I've used that now in like my personal life. Right. Uh, and it's like, it's amazing. Like <laughs> this yeah. is like coming from someone who, you know, just I've never been good with people. That's never been my strength, never been a people person. And right. I've had to really hone that skill for eight years. Yeah. Uh, and now it's it's paying off. Like it turns out being good with people <laughs> is a it's really a, useful life skill. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's so true. Um, I, I had I had one 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 last thing on my list um, and not necessarily that things have changed, but kind of kind of touched on it a little bit, but like a trend that. I wonder, um, it, it hasn't really changed in 2023. It definitely changed in 2021 with the pandemic, but like remote work and like remote work or hybrid, uh, uh, coming into the office or yeah. coming into the office entirely. What do what are your thoughts and like maybe even like some predictions on what's going to happen? Yeah, it seems like companies are swinging in like wildly different directions like yep. some are now really emphasizing in person um and some are like let's take full advantage of remote and i my prediction is that people will really pick and choose to the benefit of their business like there will yep. no longer be yep. a template for how you have to operate and like yep. we just hired someone from the philippines i'm really excited for that right um i you know I think our employees will still be majority U.S. based and yep. especially for, you know, certain R&D talent and sales and roles that have to be based here. Um, but I also think there's an opportunity that is now, you know, the world um, where we can actually find really unique talent uh, that actually might not even be available in the U.S. Like some people in the U.S. just yeah. don't want to do certain jobs for a long period of time right that are like fine jobs they're just like not people enter winnie yeah in some of these roles hoping for a different role in like six months and like i don't blame them for being ambitious and i would love to invent a new role in six months but the truth of the matter is like there are just jobs to be done Right. And I kind of want someone who's willing to do that for an extended period of time. And so I think that's that's the kind of possibility that's going to open up now um, with this more like, you know, choose your own adventure in terms of remote and in-person work. 
Yeah, it's going to be really interesting um, to see what happens. I'm definitely like very, very pro in office. Like I yeah. go to the office five days a week um, and I just love being around other people. I feed off other people's energy. And um, I would like as we continue scaling, like that's going to be a big, a big part of it. Like obviously in 2021, we we had to hire Ramon. I think that uh, for for us and just me, uh, like as a, a, a CEO, like there's obviously always going to be like a component of remote work. But I think like there's as a startup, there's just so much you lose out on, like especially early stage when you're really trying to. And obviously you could augment that, right? Like you could have people in like once or twice a, a week or something like that or have more offsites or something yeah. like that. But like there's just so many times that like all of a sudden I just got the team together in person and we just solved this problem that's been been like go, ha, been going wrong for the last three months or something like that. I'm just like, or it's like I'm I'm able to just feed off. So like I know personally what I want um, and like that's so that's going to mean a, a big percentage of the the company um, that I'm building is definitely going to be in person. Like I really don't. I I think that Zoom definitely Zoom and whatever Google Meets and and just um, uh, communicating over video like has their place. And I think also for like for like sales, it's actually awesome because you don't you don't need to go on and travel that much. Right. Like especially like you, your your son's on big deals now too, and like. Before you'd have to have to be traveling a lot and like going in person and like selling in person like that is that's changed the game. I love that. Um, and that's going to continue on. But like, I just think like when you're building something that's got so much and actually a startup has got so much creativity in it and like you, you need to continuously iterate. And like, I just I just don't think that you can. And maybe that's just the way that I'm built and I just feed off everybody else's energy um like you just can't replace that 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 remote piece and so like but i think that i totally agree with your initial point i think that it's going to be different for every single type of company and it's going to be like if it's going to be a startup like are there going to be successful startups that ipo that are 100 remote yes and it's going to be like a combination of like the founders and the culture that they want to build um, and you will be able to re re both recruit people that are remote, but also you will also be able to, be able to, to recruit people who want, want to work in person. And it's yeah. just going to be, there's going to be a lot of options for everybody. And there's going to be p uh, companies that are like, I, I could see us uh, like, probably not like, I, I think, I think a new thing that's going to happen. And I've been watching um, just some reports in the real estate markets, like some of the, the hottest markets are like, I think I saw like, like Sacramento was one of them oh, um, yeah. because yeah, like people just will like take that insane commute into work like once a week and like they, they will have, be able to, uh. to have like a lot less, uh, they'll, they'll just have a, uh, they don't want to have, have to live in like the, the Bay area and pay like the, the ridiculous, um, rents or mortgages or whatever. So like, I think that's also going to be another trend is like people are going to work in, in like kind of the the outskirts of these major cities, but still like commute in. Um, and, uh, and then also maybe, maybe what people will listen to, 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 I think also even for me, like going on lo longer road trips or commuting longer, like I listen to so much podcast, so I don't even really think like I just learned so much that now that's an actual good thing. Um, so I don't even really mind the commuting. Um, and so I, I think, but I think, I think my guess is that there's definitely going to be 
a lot more people going back into the office, a lot more employers wanting uh, people to go back into the office. Um, it'll be interesting to see when the pendulum swings back to more employee friendly and there's a lot more like kind of just money sloshing around uh, in companies and you have to do basically do whatever the employees um, want if that'll go back to more remote work. But I think that overall there's going to be like a bunch of different types of companies that have different ways of working and and it's up to you as the employee and also the founders or, or management teams or whatever like how i do do how you want want to i saw an interesting interview with um was it vp v, the C, no coo of shopify which they're a hundred percent remote mm -hmm. and they have hubs and they built their own like um, and they're a massive company too, public company and they they built like their own like um uh, OS for working remotely. Uh, they 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 thought that they're the only company out there like is that is making remote remote work at scale. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if that's true or not, but like there is a lot of work that you have to put in to to replicate right. what you could do in person. So it'll it'll be interesting to see what kind of happens, or maybe it'll go more into like everybody's like now in person three days a week, and that's the new normal. I don't know. Not sure. I mean, I also think like some of those gains you talked about being in person, like that can be very important also with your customers and, totally. you know, partners and people you interface with and like using your time to do more of that because you don't have to commute into an office. Yeah. Like that's that's kind of our been our philosophy. Like we'd rather uh, spend our money and time, you know, visiting with our customers uh, than uh, trying to get the whole team together, for example, for an offsite. Right. Um, so, I mean, I think it's a mix of both, but I do agree, like, huge gains can happen in person. Um, yes. And, uh, you know, it just a, it depends a little bit on the business as to, like, where you need to make those huge gains. Like, for me, do I need to be sitting with our engineers every day? No. Like, they they just need to be you know, working and motivated and it is good to get together so that yeah. they are still excited and motivated. But like, do I need to be with them all the time? Probably not. No. Um, but do I need to be with our customers more? Probably yes. And can we, you know, move the business forward that way faster? Probably. Are you talking in person? Yeah. Yeah. Like me sitting with an engineer while they're writing code and like interjecting my ideas is probably just annoying and slowing them down. Yeah. Now, I do think like, some being with engineers is good because you want to keep them excited about the business and yeah. focused on where you're headed and, you know, thinking big picture. But like it's limited. It's limited how much time you want me distracting right. our engineering team um, and even like our product team, because I could just start adding things to the roadmap yeah, yeah, and like sharing yeah. all my ideas. But, you know, spending some time with customers can be like a huge unlock for. Right learning about their business or a challenge they're facing or another way we can cross sell to them or something like that. Um, and, and I feel like I would rather spend that more of that time and energy in person with them yeah. instead of in person with, you know, the team. So I think, uh, you know, for us, the, the pendulum is swinging more in favor of like, let's actually get our sales and success folks and me and the founders and, product managers that are building the product spending more time in person with yeah. the people we're building for rather than more time in person with engineers unless there's like specific engineers that want to be 
more customer facing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So are you are you bringing back the steak dinners then? Is that what you're doing? We're we're trying. <laughs> like it's hard. A lot of a lot of customers like they just they're not going into the office either, and so no. they're like, no. Do we really have to meet in person? We're like, yes, please. Um, but then we try to like bring along a few different team members because it's also an opportunity for us to bond and socialize right. if we're not seeing each other regularly. So trying to like kind of do a hybrid where we're using the the conference we're going to or the customer we're visiting or whatever trip we're taking to right. kind of get folks together. Cool. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think that's another huge learning for any first time founders that are listening, like spend a lot of time with customers, like continuing to listen to what their pain points are and everything. And, and don't be afraid to like, try that, that new thing. Like Sarah, you've, you've pivoted your business like entirely, um, yep. us, and we haven't really talked a lot about what we're kind of doing, but we definitely have based on um, both partner feedback and customer feedback as well. Like you just need to s continuously talk to your customers and, um, and it's fun, but it, it's, it's really, it's really tough. So if you get in, in, in person, that's, that's even better. Um, why don't we wrap this episode yes. up? Um, I, I, I don't know if this will be the last episode of 2023. Um, if, if it, if it is, thanks everybody for listening and uh, we'll see you next year. If not, uh, we might have an episode next week. We'll kind of uh, see what happens. Happy holidays. Yes. All right. See you, Sarah. Bye. Bye.